The views expressed on this show are those of Dr. Clara Mundia in her personal capacity. On this episode of African Retooled. So right now you have jobs or careers. So you'll hear like Kiambu County is looking for a geospatial or GIS officer. And essentially that's someone who just goes out there, collects data and comes back and makes a map. That is like... 101 it's probably one of the first things we learn when we go to school mm -hmm. so there is a very under implementation of what it is that we do because there's not a lot of buy-in at the moment do you have the tools to face the future welcome to african retooled a podcast where Chris and Martin, two African recruiters, will explore the changing world of work. Where students come to learn and gain insights into the world of work. Discover how they can continue to tool themselves with skills of the future. Where managers will explore with us how to confidently navigate the complexities of future work in order to be key disruption agents and remain competitive. Where CEOs, business owners come to understand the evolution of work, allowing them to leverage on emerging roles and remain competitive and achieve their objectives. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to yet another episode of African Retooled Jumbo Martin. Hello, Chris. I am fine. And how is how's it been for you? It's been a great week so far and looking forward to another great episode. Excellent. So I guess, uh, as always, we are keen to and, and continue to be curious about different topics. And today we have a discussion that is little spoken about or a, a, a subject area that's little spoken about. And so we're interested to find out, find out more. And Martin, what subject is this? This is geospatial science. Yes. And to do this, we have with us a very interesting guest, uh, someone who has taken time to really delve into this space. Martin, talk to us a little bit about her profile. Yes. So Dr. Clara Mundia is a geospatial professional. She has over 12 years experience in the application of spatial analytics, specifically in research projects within the sub-Saharan context. Now, she is the location analytics department head at Dalberg Research. And there, she's been able to build a unique team of GIS specialists in Kenya. She's committed to promoting the application of geospatial skills and tools in elevating livelihoods. And she's also mentored young professionals in this very unique field. So welcome, Clara. So hello, Clara. How are you today? How is the weather where you're at? Thank you for having me. I'm definitely happy to be on the podcast with you guys. I'm good. The weather is shiny. I mean, gosh, sunny. <laughs> <laughs> you really messed me up now. <laughs> I apologize. I apologize. It's so, okay. <laughs> good. How are you doing? It, it's good to get the real, real, real parts of someone. Yeah. 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 So, uh, yeah. The, the weather is good. It's it's sunny and it's hot. I was out earlier, and, uh -huh. but now I'm back in. So yeah, it's so good. What is geospatial? Um, it's it's something we'd like to be you know demystified, not just for the listener, but also for um, ourselves really at this point because it's not something we we know much about. We are coming at this from a point of curiosity. Uh, so Clara, maybe that would be your your first task would be to try and. And sort of demystify this whole story, understanding really what the discipline is and all these different avenues or branches that it has. Thanks, Martin. This is a question I often have, and sometimes I struggle to answer it because there is so much to say about this. 
But I think the best way to define what geospatial, the geospatial field is, is any type of work, tech, or tool that is rooted in the need to better understand the social and environmental dynamics and uh, build knowledge for informed decision-making for like inventory, planning, and forecasting. So it largely involves like collecting and analyzing large amounts of data on physical and environmental individuals. So a lot of people are associated to Google, satellite imagery, but the singular aspect for geospatial science or the geospatial field is the spatial component, mm-hmm. which brings a valuable perspective to include in any discipline industry beyond, you know, what we typically see out there, which is like environmental modeling, urban planning, precision agriculture, and climatology. But really, when you leave uh, college, when you leave academia, you go into a whole field of, of a variety of careers. So we have people who are GIS programmers. These are people who can create apps or scripts that can automate processes, processes that have a spatial component, Not to, might, might I add. Um, then we have people who go into just the technical the an- analysis, analyzing data, trying to build models, estimating um, phenomenon. And then we have people who go into cartography, mapping. They're the ones that make those really cool maps that, you know, USGS, you know, have on topology. Um, there are so many things. Earth observation, which deals with satellite imagery and remotely sensed work. There's people who work on drones to map out land. There are just so many careers that you can go into once you have this foundation. It really is, you know, a free for all. And what is the foundation? The foundation is to understand the need to have the spatial component in your work. Mm -hmm. So I'll give you an example of the difference between a geospatial analyst and a statistician. A statistician looks at numbers as they are, as individual observations. However, a geospatial analyst looks at numbers, but understands that there is an extra player in this equation that is space. Similar to say that when we look at people who live around us, we tend to be the same. As we move further away, we tend to be dissimilar. That means space acts as as a contributor to that phenomenon. So when you understand that component of space, then you're able to build, analyze, investigate, etc. phenomenon with a different perspective than someone who doesn't. And that's the foundation you need. What did you do in, in college to get you to where you are now? Um, that's, I'm sure, what is going to be running um, through people's minds by the time we're at the end of this discussion. So let's start there. Uh, that story is a very complicated one. Mm-hmm. Um, most people don't know this, but I started in Nairobi University doing art and design. Uh and then uh something happened i think it was a strike or something my parents feared that education would be interrupted and they shipped me off so i really didn't want to go to the states but it was because of that that i ended up getting there and i am grateful Mm-hmm. Um, but when I did get there, I started with pre-med. You know that idea of like African fathers want to have some kind of a doctor in their family, right? Yes. And I was fulfilling that desire and realized I had a phobia for blood. I couldn't be in a hospital. I just couldn't be a doctor. And then I switched into biochemistry thinking that maybe I could be part of medicine in some kind of way and, you know, make the drugs. And yeah, chemistry really kicked my butt. 
So I was sort of stranded there in my second year. And then I took a class on environmental uh, issues and I fell in love. And I said, this is what I want. This was, I was passionate about it. I would spend extra time with the teacher discussing things. And I just knew this was my area. And so I ended up graduating with a bachelor's in environmental science slash biology because I'd taken so many biology courses. Um, and then, yeah, um, later on, uh, did my master's in geography and environmental resources. So they, really, the minute I knew I wanted to be in the environmental space, I just went at it. I just started building uh, my academic career and now my actual professional career uh, under the environmental sciences. And it was in my master's that I actually came across GIS. Um, and I must attribute it to a Ugandan professor. He was the one who was leading that particular course. Mm -hmm. And he, he was so insistent. He's like, you need to learn how to use this tool. And I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. I was again doing it because I felt like, you know, listen to your elders. He's an African man. He's telling you how it is. So, you know, I just started doing it. And then again, I fell in love with it. And I was like, this is everything. Um, left for my master's, came back home to Kenya to be an environmental scientist. And shock on me, five months in, did not have a job. And my father looks at me and he says, you said that you did some technical thing. Why isn't that in your CV? I said, because oh, I don't think that I'm really strong at that. And he's like, no, just put it there, see what happens. Put it in my CV, first uh, CV, a job application out, I get a job. Wow. That was for me an eye opener because I realized that I needed to have technical expertise to get hired, even as an environmental scientist. And, and that, for me, was the beginning of my, my, my realm in the geospatial world. Um, worked two years um, as a GIS officer and decided I want to go back to do my PhD. And the two years that I work, worked were very important because they taught me um, what the industry needed from someone like me. And so once I understood that, I went back to do my PhD and I didn't do one single course in GIS. I took statistics and programming um, because I knew that those skills complemented the one that I had and would build me a career that I could get a job in. And, and that's, that's what I did. Graduated and now work um, as a location analytics manager. Clara, that's a very good story. And I, I, I think our audience is likely to be resonating with your experience where a lot of us finish high school um, and are not particularly sure what we want to study. And I'm just curious to hear from you, what for you are the lessons um, that you picked from that whole experience um, for, for people who are listening to us? Um, what is it that perhaps gave you eventually the opportunity to go down a path that was indeed something you're passionate about? Um. One of the major lessons I would say is I, you know, find your passion. You know, I was lost when I started uh, my tertiary education. I was doing things that I thought other people wanted me to do that would make me successful. But I knew doing them, I was going to be unhappy. And I stumbled across something that made me happy and I was passionate about. And I told myself, like, even if I'm not a rich doctor, <laughs> but I am, I love what I do. I'm okay. 
you know, so drive your career with a passion. Find something that you're passionate about. And then when it comes to listening to people who've been there, like when that Ugandan professor was telling me GIS is the future, I was, I couldn't roll my eyes any faster. Like I just wasn't <laughs> hearing it. But listening and re- looking back, you know, hindsight is twenty twenty. he was right. He was right. And thank God I listened to him because that's actually the reason I am where I am. Yeah. So listening to your story, there was a piece where you touched on pre-med. You then went into something around bio. Was it bio stuff? Biochem? Okay. Yes. So just that, what, what I'm hearing is that you were trying different things, trying to establish or trying to find your passion. Mm-hmm. Would, would that be something that people need to do? Like even people who are currently working and are looking to transition, would trying different things be of any value as you're trying to figure out what next? I would say yes and no. Mm-hmm. Um, I I still graduated in four years, believe it or not. And I actually consider myself lucky because there was actually a degree in that university that was environmental science slash biology. Because I had taken two years of biology courses and chemistry. And I didn't want to have to forfeit that um, and start building. Because some people do take that time to find themselves and they find themselves ending up with seven years of an undergraduate degree, right? Right. Sometimes it can be, you know, counterproductive, but, you know, being very determined in finding what it is that you want, like knowing that I need to try these things and giving yourself clear deadlines. Like, let me try this for a semester, see how it is. Otherwise, if you dilly-dally, you can, you know, procrastinate in that process. And then that just doesn't help in any way. Yeah, yeah. interesting. Right. And then looking at all these different careers, it, it does sound like the landscape is, is very wide in, 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 in the geospatial industry. How advanced are we on, on the continent? We could, we could springboard from Kenya and then look at the rest of the continent. But how, how, how much of this are we actually getting into? I know, you know, when you look at lands, definitely you have your cartographers there. Um, mm-hmm. But how 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 much are we really getting into the, the different disciplines and careers in Kenya? And do we need to? Okay, that's a loaded question because, and I'll answer it in two ways. Okay. So the geospatial industry is growing in terms of technical labor and know-how. So we are pushing out individuals who have the foundation to some degree. Um, but then when it comes to careers, um, that is where we're limited, right? Mm-hmm. And we're limited because there isn't a complete buy-in. I say this in Kenya, but I also say it for the full continent. Mm-hmm. And the buy-in is the understanding of the valuable application of geospatial tools and technologies to enhance livelihoods. Mm-hmm. So right now you have jobs or careers. So you'll hear like Kiambu County is looking for a geospatial or GIS officer. And essentially, that's someone who just goes out there, collects data, and comes back and makes a map. That is like 101. It's probably one of the first things we learn when we go to school. Mm -hmm. So there is a very under-implementation of what it is that we do, because there's not a lot of buy-in at the moment. Yeah. And I I remember a conversation we had earlier was around... It was a... was a seminar you were in or something that you spoke about... Um, the application of geomatics in in reviewing the value of social media influencers. I found that very interesting. Do you want to speak to that a bit? 
yeah so um and i and i come at this at the at, with the perspective of a researcher which i am mm-hmm. so when you're looking for uh, uh, let's say for instance a social media influencer that you want to push out a pr campaign for right a lot of people just go with who they see other people um pushing out however there is data and there is information behind that decision that could make that decision informed because a lot of the time we hear uh situations like um you know a company has tied their 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 horse or their cart to an influencer and and then the influencer does something that sort of looks bad on the brand you know and all that stuff when i feel like some of those decisions have not been made with an informed mind and what geospatial and geospatial science or or the work that we do can can help people do is better understand who that influencer is and also I'll even add a, a wrench into this whether that influencer and I'm talking about like the very celebrity well known ones are the right types of influencers to engage with yeah because influencers come at different levels i myself can be an influencer you can be an influencer anyone who has any type of following on social media is an influencer right but we value so much the higher end ones and so when we look at an influencer we look at who are they like what is their demographic are they female are they parents you know so i know that i'm not going to give a single guy in his 20s an a pr campaign for diapers you know what i mean yeah um going into like uh who are they following which is the most important part who's their audience and where are they that's the most important part for our work where are they because consumers clients individuals at different parts of the country have different norms different belief systems different things that govern their behavior that you need to factor in and that's now really where geospatial science comes in yeah and by where they are you mean where are they located yeah yes Yeah and that's that's very interesting. And I, what what other areas are of interest um because I guess our listeners are, are fascinated of course uh, just like we are about this new area just spatial world and again unfortunately we don't talk enough about this this particular career. But we are cons- we're interested to find out so what other interesting use cases are there and, and that are actually at play in Africa today. Yeah, I I will give you some very clear ones that we we have in Kenya right now, you know. Um GIS and geospatial science can be used in disaster management. You know, look at the COVID situation. Part of the work that I did last year and even to some degree this year was mapping vulnerability of populations for COVID. Mm-hmm. Where are they? You know, how far are they? If we talk about the epicenter being Nairobi, how fast will it spread what counties are more vulnerable because of their proximity to nairobi mm-hmm. you know we can go into crime management if there are areas that have a higher than usual incidence of crime you can guide patrolling in that area you can guide resources in that area you can even try to understand based on the demographics and the dynamics of that area what is the cause for that you know we could even go into urban planning which by the way we need in Nairobi <laughs> yes we do you know why you have bars in very heavily residential areas you know that is zoning all that is like what is what is the the buffer that a bar would need to have mm-hmm. uh against schools you know in terms of alcohol access in terms of uh residents in terms of noise 
Like, what is the buffer? That all has to do with GIS. Right. You know, even demography, just understanding where people are. You know, we talk about tribalism and all that stuff, but you realize that they're very mixed, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, and and that sort of, those are the, some of the major things I could see um, that could be applied. And and if, if you agree with me, you know, looking at the things I've just mentioned, those are key responsible. Uh, those are key responsibilities of national governments. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Am I right? Absolutely, yes. absolutely. And and, yeah. and and that's where we say like that that entity, national government, needs to be needs to buy in, because without the buy in, there cannot be investment in the necessary structures, labor, and technologies to facilitate the use of geospatial work. Yeah. yeah, I think the other area you've not touched on would be agriculture, which I think um, Africa being. Um, heavy on uh, we, 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 t- we tend to say that agriculture is what drives most of our economies yet I, I don't I, I doubt whether this is something that is utilized significantly in, in, in informing how we how we plant and how we do our agriculture yeah no I absolutely agree with you we, we call it precision agriculture mm-hmm. where we're looking at specific locations and targeting the appropriate measures and practices in that location. Instead of saying, let's all get irrigation when an area might not necessarily need it, yeah. you know, or that there are other ways that we can, you know, cultivate or utilize the land, um, that it gives us the best, um, the best output. But again, there are, I, I have to also caution because I also feel like there is a lot of indigenous knowledge that exists with agriculture. Like our forefathers and forefathers and forefathers have knowledge on how they've used, how they've um, adapted and mitigated things to do with agriculture on those specific lands. That I feel sometimes when we rush too much into the geospatial and we don't carry along that information, we will lose those nuances that will be important. So I feel yes, you know, that's definitely one major application, but I think it's also tagging in the traditional knowledge that we we've accumulated over years instead of discarding it because I think it's definitely valuable. I agree with you only that the world in which we're, we're growing our crops today has changed climate change and, and all these nice things we talk about today. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's just, it's just unfortunate that, uh, uh, one one minute you'd wake up and think, I know what's coming up in the next month, but the world has changed significantly. I yeah. think, I think also what I'm hearing generally is there's a, there's a call for more interdisciplinary um, practices, so both at academia as well as in the workplace. Um, because, you know, if you're, if you're looking at anything just through one lens, the solutions you find will be very narrow rather than, you know, broadening that and, and including other disciplines. That's absolutely right. Like you've hit the nail on the head. Um, Most of my academic career has been multidisciplinary. I don't sit here and say I'm a full-time geographer because geography was one of the disciplines that I picked up when I I went to school. But we have so many things that we need to factor in. You know, um, you know, for instance, um, econometrics. You know, if we want to value or we want to quantify the value of any type of intervention, econometrics has to come into the into play. 
So whenever a lot of uh, bodies like NGOs or international organizations are trained to understand this, they bring in a lot of experts that, yes, geospatial is one of them, but they have other disciplines that are there and are represented so that we can collectively come up with a solution. It's just not through one eye for sure. Absolutely. So t t tell us, Clara, is there any country in Africa that is perhaps um, taking up the space of geomatics a little bit more seriously? Are there any... Are there any good stories to tell? This is African Retooled. So t t tell us, Clara, is there any country in Africa that is perhaps um, taking up the space of geomatics a little bit more seriously? Are there any, are there any good stories to tell? I feel like there, there have been clear intentions. I know I have been to Malawi one of the projects that I worked on there, the government was in the process of, of making this big effort to map out the whole country. And Malawi is pretty small, so it is very plausible for them to do that without it being an extensive cost for them. Mm -hmm. um, but, and that was a very, I promote that, and I wish every country would go to that direction for real. Mm -hmm. um, and their reasoning was that they needed to be able to understand land uh, ownership like how land is divided and, and what the ownership is, like the land tenure, uh, because they have a mix of public, private, and customary land uh, ownership. And there are some people who have lived on land, they customarily own it, and, uh, but they do not have any titles. And so there were issues of, of land availability. So when investors come into the land, they're like, what land is available? They're not quite sure, they don't know. So they went into this effort of trying to get this data and they were flying over, and the data was wonderful. It just, it was as a as a geospatial person, I was so excited to see. I wish I could take it home and just play with it. But um, they were doing such a good job collecting this data. But I noticed that they did not have the technical support to really build what they intended to build. Yeah, and that means they needed to hire people who were already like. Um, collating, cleaning, absorbing, you know, generating, storing, you know, that data that was coming in. And if we go into this idea of trying to make a huge step, we really need to follow through. And I think that's where we are stuck in this continent. Mm -hmm. We have this idea, of we want to try it out, but we don't want to follow through. And what I mean by that is that you might have like an NGO come in and, and, and fund a project that shows you this is what you can do with geospatial data or has a geospatial component to it and then it is it is up to now the government to carry that forward but they're not bought in and so they don't put the they don't invest in the people and the processes to continue carrying it on and then another investor comes in with another pretty package and it just goes on and on but the true player needs to be the government that pushes this you know objective forward yeah, yeah, I mean, it's 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 really sad considering. I mean, listening to you and just the little reading we we did before speaking with you, there's so much potential in this space. But it seems like what what do you think is the is the is the bridge that needs to be built to 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 in, increase people's awareness? Because it seems like this is such a valuable area for us in the on the continent. I think for me, it's the willingness, and and I'll and I'll say this. Um, you cannot move forward in a in a geospatial world if you're still dealing with bootleg behaviors. <laughs> so what Elabor I mean by, elaborate. Yes, what I mean by that is 
let me give you the, the example of land grabbing, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. There is no way you can grab my land if there is a database that every person may have access to or one agency has access to that says whether land is available or not available. Mm-hmm. Because everything is still documented in paper or is not, the systems are not connected. People can grab land. Right. Now, if you're someone in power who has grabbed land, or like this idea of having this, you know, disparity or this discord, then you're not going to push for geospatial solutions that bring to light those mis mis misbehavior. So I feel like in in Kenya in Africa, when we move outside of wanting to do our own shoddy things, if we want if we're okay with almost like mulikaing ourselves, then we will be open to geospatial solutions. Right. Right. Yeah. And, and, and this is, um, I guess, a segue to a conversation around individuals who are looking at this area as a career of choice. Um, what, what the conversation you and I had before was around the fact that we have, we have the courses in the region. So there's this geomatics engineers graduating from the university. But there seems to be a disconnect still with the kind of resources required by you at the workplace and the graduates who are, who are churning out. Um, so the question is, what, what, what do graduates need to be aware of that um, employers are looking for today? So I think that the graduates that are coming out of our education system are in some way similar to the one to me when I was you know, getting into the system, where I wasn't quite sure what I was doing, but I, I had to decide to do something before time ran out. Now, I know when in my experience with hiring young uh, professionals or just when I was going to school, that there's this idea that people just want to get into college. I just want to be accepted. So I might not get into architecture, but by God, I got into art. So I'm going to do art for a year and then try to see if I can jump over to architecture. Sometimes they're not able to jump over and they get stuck in art. And I think that is literally where a majority of the people who do geospatial have found themselves that they did it because they weren't able to attain the one that they really wanted either because of marks money I, I don't know what the case may be and they sort of say like oh my friend told me this might be a good course to take mm. so if you're coming in with just this laser fair idea of let me just do this and see what happens you're going to struggle because this is not like this is not like business this is not like public relations this is a growing field that still needs to be developed within this continent and so if you go in there with no fight then you might fall you know yeah and then on top of that those that do go in knowing that they want to do this because they are they love making maps i've heard people say i love making maps maps is not everything it's part of it some people say i love i want to learn how to automate you know i had a conversation recently with an intern and I asked him, you know, where do you see your career going? And he says, I really want to be able to automate with GIS. And I said, okay, um, but what problem are you trying to solve with it? Mm. And he didn't have an answer. So my thing is like, learn not only how to do it, but where you're going to apply your skill. Right. Okay? Because you can be a great automator but you have no context to apply it to, and so therefore you have no value to anyone. Yeah. So from a practical standpoint, so I finished high school, 
I have enrolled in a geomatics engineering course at the university. At what point will I get the context that I'm going to apply what I've studied to? I would say from the get-go. Mm -hmm. If you believe that this is what you want to do, find someone. You don't always have to have an internship or attachment that pays. Even shadowing someone. People will be happy to have you shadow them. They'll have you send an NDA if they need to, but then you will shadow them and things will be good. And that's how you learn. You learn on the job. Right. I often say that those of us who came out of um, just like GIS courses, we learned just the very basics. It's like someone wrote, uh, taught you the alphabet. But then when you go out there to be a writer, you know you need to know how to put words together, to build narrative. All that you learn on the job. Yeah. And so you need to be exposed to the industry that you want to work in and the people within that industry so that you can learn how they apply things that will build your knowledge and give you some idea of how to direct your career. Yeah, I, mean, I think that's spot on. Um, we, we are always advocating for graduates and even people work at the workplace to 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 get exposure into different areas and that's really the ethos of the the podcast retool mm -hmm. yourself figure out something else um um have a myriad of skills and not just be content with what you know so i think what you're saying is totally correct where you're a graduate plug into an organization get some exposure and mm -hmm. with that exposure then it'll inform your refinement in in your in your in your degree or whatever it is that you're doing yeah, yeah 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 even if it's to tell you that's not what i want to do absolutely yeah. you absolutely. could go into an attachment and realize these guys are hella crazy mm -hmm. this is not what i'm into you know and that's okay that is knowledge because then now you can turn your 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 effort somewhere else to yeah. some other direction yeah yeah so we've talked about some of the use cases we've talked about some of the the big terminologies but what are some of the careers that people can look forward to as they go into the geospatial geomatics world there are many there are many <laughs> uh for me to sort of think about them all right now yeah. is is intense but i would say like you could be a geospatial analyst you could be a, a software developer, mm -hmm. like for apps like Uber. Uber needed definitely to have someone who had an idea of how to to put the spatial aspect. You know how to locate, how to have that GPS location, um, and to ping and to embed that into an app. Mm -hmm. um, you could have people like me who do more of like um, social research mm -hmm. um, that had that aspect. Uh, people go into earth observation that's very popular right now people want to be able to to learn how to to classify imagery you know to be able to pick out areas that have uh, desertification or see how wide um, or fast Kampala is growing for instance mm -hmm. as, a, as a city and you can go into to drone technology a lot of people are doing that right now it's a bit pricey because um, either getting a small aircraft or a drone to, to fly over an area multiple times can be costly, but people are doing it, like Ramani does it. Um, and there's so many areas you could go into just pure statistics, yeah, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, and the thing about it right now is um, we are getting competition from people in other fields. So a computer scientist, computer scientists right now, are realizing that they need to understand that aspect because of how things are becoming very locational driven. And so we find people who've got a 
foundation in computer science, taking GIS certificates and courses to build that. And so we're also gaining competition from them. So, yeah, it's... Um, there are many aspects to it. Um, yeah, I really like that last point because my observation is as, as well is data scientists are slowly transitioning into GIS, into mm-hmm. your world, um, software developers, like you said, machine learning experts and engineers, mm-hmm. because the the, the skill set, the basis is is indeed um, some of these some of these areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There, there's something interesting that we're. You know this whole conversation has brought up um, around. So we, we we've been we've been talking a lot about government um, creating this infrastructure, mm-hmm. but I feel there's also a place, and I think that that private sector can play in demanding for for these skill sets. Um, and I feel like you know private sector doesn't even know that they need these skill sets. Um, take for mm-hmm. instance what we were talking about for um, um, influencers. You know, mm-hmm. if 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 you know the agencies came out more and, and looked for this skill set um, mm-hmm. with geospatial scientists um, or people with mm-hmm. that sort of background and started demanding more of those people to be produced, I think then mm-hmm. we'd have a, a, um, a more bottom-up approach into getting government then to listen uh, to why you need to be able to get this data and use it for our infrastructure planning. I mean, think about areas around entertainment as you were saying, mm-hmm. you know, um, how do we zone areas in urban planning that then mm-hmm. leads to, to entertainment? How, where do we build stadiums? Um, mm-hmm. if, if I run a record label, how do I, you know, where do I, where do I put up shows? It's where mm-hmm. are my people? Where are the fans for this person um, going mm-hmm. to come and, and, and watch them? So I, I, mm-hmm. are there other, you know, areas where private sector can be, can play a more active role in promoting this discipline. Everything that you said is is just is so on point. Um, oftentimes, when we look at uh, the way the world has worked, and what the research shows is that private sector usually is the one that drives digital transformation. Right? Mm-hmm. Let's take a look at Safaricom. Right? Um, they have you know parasitical and all, but they have pushed you know, M-Pesa, and now we can transact digitally without, and and so, like, you can still run your digital business, even though we're in a lockdown, because you don't have to have access to the bank. Everything is connected. And the fact that M-Pesa came, it forced banks and other entities to sort of, you know, come on board. So I agree with you 100%. Private sector drives this. Mm. And, and what I would advise is that private sector needs to take, let's even move aside from GIS. They need to take data and the need for data to make decisions as a key priority mm-hmm. because everything that you've stated, really, like for instance, if you decide that you want to have a concert in Nakuru, mm-hmm. right, you need to be aware of how many people have access to get to Nakuru, right? How many people will have access to pay for lodging in mm-hmm. Nakuru and whether Funny enough, there's another event happening in in Nairobi at the same time. Mm-hmm. Because then that event might pull more people because it is much closer than your event, no matter how good and how well you've planned it. And all that is just data. You need to ask yourself, you need to do the research and get that data. Mm-hmm. And until people start putting that in the forefront, we will always have mediocrity or things that are there but could be better. 
yeah. you know yeah. and 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 that's really where we see and when you do that you see you know computer scientists come in data analytics uh, folks come in and then also location analytics folks come in mm-hmm. you know but we just need to have that drive i'll say this also to add and this might be controversial mm-hmm. i would say that when it comes to gis of the geospatial world not much pushing can be done at the private sector because again where this really lies traditionally has always been in things that the national government runs and so for us to really see um like improve digital technologies and tools you know we would need to sit at the uh, the government level for young people who are leaving school with this degree to have dignified employment and what i mean by that is like career fulfillment good pay and professional growth the government needs to believe in this type of work and then it can also then result into effective management and preparedness so locusts in in kenya would have been predicted and mitigated maybe in time if that was something that was put in the forefront you know so i would i would i would urge to say that the the responsibility to push this really does to some great extent lie with the government right okay um so thank you very much i mean that this has really been insightful and we are um much wiser when it comes to the discussion around geomatics geospatial gis and hopefully our audience as well have benefited from this if you're in university right now and are looking to 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 complete your your geomatics engineering degree you hopefully you you have a better indication or idea of what you need to do to to stand out if you're thinking about this area you also hopefully have a better view if you're currently working in this field don't be content with just um being the guy who's king in the data um you know which which is what you'd said earlier clara there's there's people who yeah. just happy to collect the data but have no idea how to then contextualize this into different into different use cases like we've talked about and mm-hmm. so thank you so much yeah i i and i extend um i extend an offer to anyone who wants to reach out to me for some any, any kind of advice you know i have made a lot of mistakes but i have learned i have learned how to navigate this career um and and given that you know i sat down after finishing my phd with 7 years i mean 7 months of unemployment wondering whether i would ever ever get a job yeah. i i learned how to to persevere yeah so so definitely available for anyone who needs to just have someone to to guide here mentor what have you and also thank you uh martin and chris like nobody gives me this much time to talk about <laughs> <laughs> They used to be like, "Oh, okay, yeah, sure." You're the boring. But I guess the, just one last question really. So we keep saying yeah. the, the 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 future is about skills. So mm-hmm. in in this in this in this regard, um what again will differentiate graduates who are credentialed with a geomatics engineering degree and the ones who will actually flourish and do well in this in this space? Yeah, I I cannot stress it enough. Have an application for it. Mm-hmm. Um I apply my just skills in the environmental space right. largely, mm-hmm. right? Um and now because I have dealt with so much of that type of applic- application have been able to do it for financial inclusion, right. agriculture, 
uh, demography and livelihood, like I've been able to apply it because once you understand how to apply it, you just have to twist it to, to fit in the different contexts that you need to. Right. But just going to do a geometrics, a geometrics degree without understanding what field or what niche you want to target, you will come out without with a struggle, mm-hmm. like a, a predetermined struggle because you were not thoughtful enough. So finding as soon as you can, you know, whether you are still in school or an early uh, career person or just a recent graduate, find what you want to apply it in. Target those companies, that industry, people in that in that network, and and push forward because that's that's really how you'll be successful. Awesome. So hopefully you'll see a lot more interested grad uh, interested young people in this in this field and not just landing on it by flukes like you mentioned. Yay! Yes, please. People will be more deliberate about going into this course after listening to this podcast. Absolutely. Yeah. Looking forward to it. All right. Thank you so much, and uh, we look forward to speaking with you again. Yes, indeed. Yeah. Thank you for listening in. Go ahead now and subscribe to African Retooled on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, or your favorite podcast directory. We're excited to hear from you. Send your comments and questions to africanretooled at gmail.com or reach us on Twitter and Instagram on African Retooled. Until then, keep learning, keep growing, keep retooling.